And I always tell everyone, you're going to pay to live somewhere, so you may as well pay it to yourself and build that equity because you're paying rent at 100% interest or pay a mortgage and, you know, earn that back every single month. It's like a piggy bank, you know, it's like a savings account. So being able to empower, you know, people like that. And then, you know, my son at 20, just buying a house, just living in it, doing no upgrades. And then two years later, walking away, walking away with almost $70,000. And he was able, you know, to buy a truck, to move and, you know, in early in life, just have this cushion there. Um, And I've seen a lot of that. I think in about three months, I'll hit the 500 mark, which is 500 homes that I've sold. Welcome to the Willpower Podcast, where we uncover the secrets of success and share the wisdom of exceptional individuals. I'm your host, William Gomez. And as a real estate professional, I bring you insights from the world of real estate and beyond. Join me as I engage in captivating conversations with incredible guests from diverse backgrounds and industries, from top real estate moguls to trailblazing entrepreneurs and influencers. We dive into the mindsets and habits of successful people. If you love what you hear, don't forget to rate and review. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and enlightened. Live life today on willpower. Ashley Daly, Hi. Hi. Crawford Daly. I feel like you didn't really go by Crawford anymore. Well, I had to kind of ease, you yeah. know, make that transition very slow well, I think, because I, I think, was Crawford for so long. I think you've done a good job because I'm like, when's the last time I called her Ashley Crawford? I think last yeah. time you were on, um, you, uh, I was telling you that it was a little bit harder to remember, like it's Daly, not Crawford, Daly, not Crawford. Now I'm yeah. just like. It's also Crawford as well, too. So welcome back. Thank you. You were uh, on here earlier this year. Uh, I normally have people give a little one-minute introduction. If somebody uh, wants to get to know you a little bit better, they can kind of go back. I believe we're episode number 32. Such a great episode. Um, We're definitely in the top five. Awesome. Uh, So the the episode did so well. Um, I was like, Hey, let's have you back on. Let's kind of, you know, update people kind of where we're at because it's been a crazy year. I know it, you would think that we had this, uh, episode two years ago, right? That was like seven, eight months ago or whatever that, however long that's been, how it's been nine months, nine months. Uh, a lot has changed yes. and, um, in the market in, mm-hmm. in, um, our lives, your, your, um, uh, I finally came to your property this weekend. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, and then, and I have a baby. And so I'm just like, hey, let's just, yeah. let's wrap. Let's. Uh, I'm a farmer now. You're a father now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so uh, first of all, I want to start off by saying congratulations on being on the cover of Tulsa Real Producers. Tell me a little Thank bit you. about that. Um, well, of course you have to be nominated for it. So, you know, I got nominated to be in the magazine. I had no idea I was going to be on the cover. Um, I just wore my hair like plain that day, minimal makeup. Um, and then when they sent me the article to review, it said cover story, cover story. And I was like, wow. Um, so yeah, I was June, I was the cover story. And then, you know, they do nominations to nominate just anyone in the community as well. Um, the real estate community. And so I am nominated for cover of the year, leader of the year, and inspirational story of the year. Um, I really just thought inspirational story. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty honored, honestly. And it's just, you know, I have a unique story, a different background than most agents. And I guess people want to hear about it. So 
Yeah. And I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's nobody more deserving. So congratulations Thank on that. You. That was, that, that was huge. And, um, and yeah, I think that last time we really kind of dove into your story and I want to get to in, into it a little bit, um, different topics that we didn't talk about last time, but one of the things that we talked about is that you're very, very, you grew up, um, you grew up around here and, uh, Os- Osage and you ended up marrying, uh, <laughs> uh, Osage guy mm-hmm. and, um, you're super involved in your community, but you're super passionate about the people that you help. Um, you know, some people might see it differently, like that you're just trying to sell houses, but people don't realize the, how much you're helping the community. Yeah. Yeah. So last time when we were uh, talking, we, we shared the story of how you and I met and the first customer that we ever helped. Right. I always want, I always want to call him Ronald, but it, it's, ro, ro, <laughs> how do you pronounce his name? Mr. Sack? Yeah. Ro, yeah. Ron, ro, Ronald. It's, yeah. it's not Ronald. Yeah. It's weird. But anyways, it is. I took a look at the, the numbers and you got him into his house back in uh, early 2019, so mm-hmm. the very beginning of 2019, for $111,000. Yeah. That house with current estimates is about 195000 Yes, he could definitely. He could walk away from that property making eighty five thousand dollars in equity, and that's what people don't see. Whenever you're like, "Hey, you need to buy a house. You need to buy a house," they don't see that you're truly trying to help them. Before you got on, you um, you were talking about how some of your customers, and even you're looking at some of your personal stuff on like, "Hey, how can I have this equity work for me?" Yeah, for sure. And this is money that. Like, sure, you invested into it by putting a down payment, maybe paying some closing costs. But this is essentially free money that you're earning by just living in your house. Yeah. You've you have a lot of stories. So share share one that kind of resonates with you that that you helping them get into that house, that equity was something that maybe really got them out of a pickle or, or just made their life better. Right. Um, well, there was a couple, of course, in Skytook, and they were Osage. <laughs> hey. um, bought their first home for like 130. Um, and then, you know, last year I was like, hey, you know, they had by this time they had had a couple of kids and things like that. And um, she was wanting to stay home. And I was like, hey, we'll sell your house, pay off some bills, you know, get something a little bit bigger, and then you'll have enough money for her to be able to stay home for a couple of years. Um, and so there was that. And then also my son, you know, and, and these are people who they did not move in and do a lot of upgrades. They're just living in the home. And I always tell everyone, you're going to pay to live somewhere. So you may as well pay it to yourself and build that equity because you're paying rent at a hundred percent interest or pay a mortgage and, you know, earn that back every single month. It's like a piggy bank, you know, it's like a savings account. So being able to empower, you know, people like that. And then, you know, my son at 20, just buying a house, just living in it, doing no upgrades. And then two years later, walking away, walking away with almost $70,000. And he was able, you know, to buy a truck, to move, and, you know, in early in life, just have this cushion there. Um, And I've seen a lot of that. I think in about three months, I'll hit the 500 mark, which is 500 homes that I've sold since I've been in the business. This is, you know, 13 years now. And that's including, you know, the new homes that I sold for builders, and then being a licensed realtor for the last eight years. So I really have been, you know, just trying to reach out to people to show them this is money, this is your money. 
So if you don't want to sell your house, pull out your equity. And I have people, you know, who didn't want to sell and they have just pulled out their equity and made money moves. We could really do a podcast the the entire time we cover of stories of how people have acquired wealth just from from owning a home. One that I can think about that I did a short video on was um, a couple that they weren't married whenever they bought. They were just dating. And then a couple, was it two years? Yes. Two years yes. later, they decided that they were going to break up. And that I, house, that, I just th- sold that not too long ago. The, the video was something <laughs> like, this is like the best breakup you'll have because they yes. both walked away with like twenty or $35,000, was yes, it? Yes, and we're talking, they were like 21 years old. We're talking people that are not even 25 years old yet. So they're already building financial wealth at such a young age. You know, they have this big life ahead of them. I can't imagine that. You know, I cannot imagine having that head start in my 20s just by owning a home and paying my own payment to myself versus rent to a landlord. You know, build financial wealth for yourself, not your landlord. Exactly. Stop doing that. <laughs> and and I'm glad that you shared your numbers of you. You're almost at the 500 mark. How, how far are you? Like a, a few homes? So about 30, 33 homes. 33 like homes. So yeah. um, right before I had you send me some numbers of the uh, homes that for the first two years that we started working together, because, um, you know, for everybody, it seems like I have like all my numbers and stuff together, but they didn't realize <laughs> that when I started, I didn't. And, right. and it took me, um, you know, moving to a new place and setting some new, uh, some new pro- systems and processes. Well, I did the math. Yeah. And we're uh, between you and your team that, that you've had, you know, mm-hmm. how, how it's, uh, it's changed and stuff, but when you started it and, and everything, we've closed, we've helped over a hundred families get into homes. Wow. Over a hundred families. Wow. That's awesome. So, I mean, <laughs> I just, I, I want to say thank you for trusting me with your clients and thank you for trusting, for, for, for just your, your passion that you have for these people because if we if we sat here and talked about every single one of the j- just a hundred, not the four hundred and seventy, <laughs> how much? I mean, yeah. we're talking like we're we're talking like probably millions of dollars if you combine all that equ- equity. There is, it's insane. It's insane, and I think about you know when I was working for home builders, and we're talking about people who used a USDA no money down loan. in equity, their closing costs were paid. So they were out a $500 initial investment. And now those buyers have $100,000 to $150,000 in equity. I mean, there's so much power in real estate. It is. What it year can was change that? your life. What years did um, you work in? Between the years of 2010 and 2014. 2010 and 2014. When you started, 2010. Yeah. It was it, it was a crazy time. It was the first time home buyer tax credit had just went away. And the builder that I went to work for stuck me all the way out in Sapalpa in a neighborhood that had only closed three in the previous year. They didn't tell me that. And then I went in and closed like 36 in that first six months that I was there. And that was the clue of, okay, like this is what I need to do. Um, and I went in and closed that 36 and I was driving all the way to Sepulpa, but I just got involved in that community. We were right across the street from an elementary school. So I sponsored their pizza reading night. I went downtown. I started shopping local. I just made friends with the locals. That's what I did. I just, you know, interjected myself into the community and cared about those people. I really did. What was, what was the starting home 
like the average starter home for that builder. That oh you my were, goodness! So back then, <laughs> uh, one hundred twenty nine thousand dollars, and that was like a twelve forty six square foot home. And then you could get, and that was three bedroom, you know, two bathroom, two car garage. And then the top of the level was like nineteen forty one square feet, and you could get that for one hundred sixty nine. Now those homes, now the bigger home is worth like three hundred and fifty. Yeah, the, is what we're the, looking at the the starter home for your starter builder. You're looking at I think like two seventy to two eighty five. Yeah, or something, definitely the starter. Definitely everything is above two hundred thousand now. And back then, you know, we were not even hitting two hundred thousand. I think the highest price point we were selling was like one eighty nine. What was, um, do you remember what the rates were going at the time? Rates right there, we were between five and a half to six and a half percent. Okay. Um, but people didn't really talk about that, yeah. you know, back then it was they like, Hey, I'm going to get my closing costs paid. You know, it was a weird time in the market. My biggest competition was foreclosure, foreclosures. Definitely. And that's, and that's because they had never seen two, 3% rates at that, at that recent, at least <laughs> they had never seen it. And you know, I, this is what I tell people now when they talk about those two to 3% was we were living in la la land. Okay. That, you know, and in my opinion, the rates never should have been that low. Yeah. It set this expectation and now it's a psychological thing in people's minds. Um, and it has honestly created kind of the mess that we're in right now with just the economy and, and trying to pull ourselves out of the inflation rates. So for me, I'm like, listen, you really want rates to be between five and 7% to have a healthy economy and a healthy market. Um, just today, a buyer, you know, that we're working with right now, um, she said, you know, talked about waiting for rates to drop. I said, if we wait for rates to drop, the house that we're standing in today is going to have 10 offers the first day. And here we are 13 days on the market and you're the only one that's going to be submitting an, an offer. And this house would sell for $20,000 more. Not only that, but you, you got to remind me about that so I can send you that cost of waiting report because not only that's one aspect of it, but then you also have to remember that let's just say a $200,000 home in a year from now, it's going to be two hundred and ten to 215000 more. Yeah. So more I mean, competition. Property value is going up like crazy. It's going to be more expensive. So you've been in the business now for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- uh, four, how, how long were you in uh, new construction before you got your license? Four years. Four years. So mm-hmm. 2010, 2014. And even though you weren't a full blown out real estate agent, you were, you were in the real estate market. You were selling houses, mainly just helping. Well, I wouldn't say helping buyers, but technically you were trying to sell the houses. So you were kind of playing a little bit of both. Right. So you've experienced a lot in the different Mm -hmm. markets. Talk to me about, like we talked about this year has been tough to say the least. It has been. Yeah. Um, for most people, it's been the toughest that they've ever experienced because a lot of people came on board and I mean, I felt new and, but at least I came, you know, two years before COVID to where it makes me felt like before it was gangbusters. Yes. So (laughs) tell me what's the hardest market that you've ever experienced? Is it this one? No, no. Talk to me. I mean, when was it? It was definitely when I first got in and just because Everyone had lost that first time home buyer tax credit. I want to say it was like $7,500, something like that. That was the toughest, was telling everyone like, okay, that it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And then competing with foreclosures. Um, I think it was years, three or four years, people were still talking about foreclosures. So when you have a market where you're competing with foreclosures, that's tough. 
because we're talking about, you know, lower prices, everything like that. We had so much inventory. We, we had too much inventory. And so for me, that was definitely just the toughest time. It really was. Either if you were out there selling homes, you know, you're dealing, helping, trying, helping people try not to lose their home. If you're selling new homes, you're competing with lower priced homes, you know, a foreclosed home. And it was hard to convince people to buy new, spend $50,000 more and buy this new house. Um, and get your closing costs paid and get, you know, and what we did when the 7500 went away, we did a $7,500 incentive like in upgrades. Um, but that was the hardest thing was really just trying to convince people to go new and trying to convince realtors to send their buyers to a new builder that was in town that wasn't established here in the Tulsa area. So for me, as just an overall that's been the toughest. But as a licensed realtor, I would say, I mean, the last year has been probably the most rough as a real estate agent, just because of all the chatter that's out there. This year, 2023? 2023. My business hasn't slowed. I am still steady because my average sales price is still 192. I'm $70,000 below the average sales price for our MLS. Mm -hmm. So that first time homebuyer market should never slow. And I'm grateful for that. So my business hasn't slowed. It's not that it's tough on the business side. It's tough because of the chatter and trying to overcome, oh, high rates and what that means. But I'm also telling people, you know, if you itemize your taxes, that interest that you're paying is a tax deduction. So that also may help you tax-wise to have more interest. You know, I mean, yeah. people, they don't see it. You have to paint a clear picture. So I'm having more conversations this year about things like that than I've had before. Um, so really just getting in people's minds and kind of trying to help them reprogram their brains that it's okay to pay a 7% mortgage interest rate. It's fine. And 2 to 3% is gone and it's not coming back and it doesn't need to. So you said that this year you guys are actually on pace to do the same or more as last year, right? Yeah, we're still on track. And how many houses did you sell on like, let's give me your best year from 2010 to 2014. Um, it would have been 2021. We did 18 million. No, no. I'm talking <laughs> about like back, back when you first started, like the 2010 and 2014. Right, era. right. My best year, we did 130 homes. You so, buy you by yourself. Yeah, in one homes. neighborhood. Yes. So back then in a tough market, <laughs> you were selling homes. Now in a tough market, you're selling homes. And it's a completely different type of tough market because you said there was too many homes. Yeah. Now we have the opposite. We don't have enough homes. And we're not going to for years. I mean, COVID just kind of threw such a curveball on our, uh, you know, our way. It changed everything. And we have, we never gone through anything like that. So yeah. it was like, how, how are we going to recoup from this? Right. So, but what do you think it's, it's hurting more? Like all this chatter that you're talking about, is it, mm -hmm. do you think that's truly that there's not enough houses? Like, are you feeling that with your buyers or, or is it more of like, the high rates and, and the buyers thinking like, ah, I think I want to wait. I think it's, what, it's what a do you little think bit of both. It honestly is. It's a little bit of both. I mean, for my buyers and that 250,000 and below, there's not enough houses. There's not, but you know, my heart's on the North side. Yeah, <laughs> I love North Tulsa. That's where my husband and I bought our first home when we moved to Tulsa. And so my heart's there, my people are there. And so 
I can move people, you know what I mean? But if you're talking about people who won't budge and don't want to go to North Tulsa and they need to be under 250, it's taking a long time. It's a long game. You know, for me, I'm like, listen, trust me, let's go over here. You know, let's go north of 412. I'm going to show you what's happening over there. And I've really moved a lot of people and changed their way of thinking about the north side. And and so I can still win. I can still get clients and homes. But that has shifted. You know, that has changed big time. So, you know, there is a shift. There is a movement there. And, you know, I'm glad to be ahead of the game. You know, I'm so grateful that I moved into that neighborhood when I did, started holding open houses on listings that weren't even mine. (laughs) And that's what helped me go full-time real estate, honestly, was just uh, holding open houses of like Daughteriella, her homes and other agents, their listings. And so it made me, you know, a better buyer's agent and made me a better listing agent. And so you were talking about that when you started, you were at, uh, at this neighborhood, there was a a elementary across the street and you're just getting involved and you're, you talk a lot about this, but you're, you walk the walk. I mean, just last weekend, we held a client appreciation for all the customers that you guys have been able to help. And how do you overcome most people right now in this market are saying like, I don't have, like, I shouldn't be spending money to do stuff right now because of where the market's at. And I think that people like you and I are the opposite. Like I'm, I'm looking at like what, I mean, just today we went to a, client's uh office that we closed and we brought him breakfast because we're like we want to be in front of these people because yeah. these guys are th- these buyers are now raving fans that mm-hmm. just for us bringing them breakfast they're going to tell their coworkers, do you guys have to use these people to buy so how do you overcome oh. that or how do you tell like a new agent that's like no no no, no i can't <laughs> spend any money right now because i have no idea what's what's coming you have to spend money to make money I mean, I think that that's a proven fact, you know, and then I, I definitely give examples in my own life of things that I have done when I definitely couldn't essentially afford it, but it paid off for me. So I think, like you said, walking what I talk and giving those real life examples, it moves people. What, um, how long did it take you to be able to get to that spot? I mean, it sounds like you've had experiences, like give, give me an example of a time where you maybe spent some money to be able to pour into your business, pour into yourself that you knew that you maybe shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> give me an example of that. Right. Um, I think probably, you know, a couple of times I placed ads in different like football programs and I was, I saw an opportunity to come up. There was a community event and I'm like, I will sponsor, you know, and I was the first person that I'm like, I'll give you 500 bucks, even though I knew at the time, like I was pushing it a little bit, but you know, but it always paid off for me. I mean, I really haven't done anything where it hasn't, you know, helped me in a way or paid off for me in a way, but I'm in a community where, you know, people truly appreciate you. They do. I'm just in one of those communities of people who are still at that core, like giving, loving, supportive people. And I'm so fortunate for that. I mean, I am grateful. I've spent, you know, 43 years rooted here, you know, in the Osage County, Tulsa area, because I built this community of beautiful, colorful people. And I have the stories to back it up. You know what I mean? Just like we were talking about, you know, my friend earlier and, you know, a house that she bought in 
2019 for $80,000 and I ran the comps today and it's worth 189,000. And so it's going to enable her to take out some equity and, you know, pay off some debts. And so, and I'm not selling the house, you know, I'm just telling her, you know, if you're not ready to sell it, take out an equity loan. And that makes the difference because I'm not coming in and saying, Hey, let me list your house and make a 6% commission. I'm saying, Hey, if it's better for you to list, great. But if not, take out a home equity loan and I make it about them. It's not about me. Yeah. It's never about me. It's always about them. One of the things that I appreciate about you is that I think of a quote that says, if you stand for everything, then at the end of the day, you're not standing up for, for anything at all. And you're very vocal in what you believe in, right. what you don't believe in, but you, you, you don't alienate yourself from people that you maybe don't agree with. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because, <laughs> um, I remember the, the person that you're talking to about, uh, we had a closing with her and she comes to, um, to closing with uh-huh. this shirt yeah. that, that just completely goes everything against that, that you, <laughs> you, uh, you, you believe in, mm-hmm. but you still like love that she was there this weekend. Yeah. She, I mean, we've been friends since we were 10 years old and, and that's the thing because I truly, if I say that I love all people, then I really need to stand behind that. Yeah. And I truly do. I mean, I may not agree with you, but if I love you, I love you. You're my person no matter what. Yeah. And those friendships just run deep. You know, when you grow up in a small town with people and you're the only Hispanic girl in your school and you have someone that's going to treat you well and be loyal and be a good friend to you, those friendships stick. They just do. And so, yes, I encompass all people. I really do. I mean, it's just who I am. I just don't ever want to be a person that doesn't come from kindness because that has been done to me. And so I don't, I don't ever want to be that person or ever have anyone be able to say that about me, you know? Um, and I want, I always wanted to teach that to my kids. You know, I became a mom at barely 20 years old and I wanted to be the person that I want my kids to grow up to be. And they both have, they've grown up to be very loving, successful, caring people who love their community and they love animals. Yeah, (laughs) you definitely love animals. You love, uh, that's another thing too, that you're very, um, it's very dear to your heart is, uh, helping. I, I don't know how many dogs you've adopted. I think, your- um, I've fostered 16 in the last three years Crazy. and then I've adopted three, but you know, last year for six months, I had five dogs that were dumped out by my farm and that's how I got Susie. So. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's funny that, um, you know, you're, Hispanic and you grew up and everybody thought you're native American. Everybody. I spent my whole life saying I'm not Osage. I'm not Cherokee. I'm now, Mexican. <laughs> now you're married to, uh, uh, an Osage man. And mm-hmm. now everybody definitely doesn't think yes. that you're Hispanic. Yes. And I get so I, much of that. I can count in one hand, maybe how many Hispanic people we've helped. And I, I don't have enough fingers in my body <laughs> to help to how many uh, Osage or just native, right. native uh, American people we've helped. But the reason I bring that up is because I don't know if you've seen this, but did you know that Oklahoma just signed a bill to prevent, uh, anybody yeah, who's not a, not yes. a U.S. citizen, mm-hmm. um, from purchasing land in Oklahoma? I did see that. Yeah. And you, we've known each other since 2019. So coming up on four years, a little bit of four years, but I think throughout the last 18 to 24 months, you've really maybe gotten to know my story a little bit more Yeah. to where, I mean, that impacts somebody like me. Like I'm still yeah. not a U.S. citizen mm-hmm. to where it impacts people that haven't bought yet. And it impacts people that 
currently own because they would have five years mm -hmm. to get to to sell that property to a U.S. citizen. What are your thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's Oklahoma for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like um, the point of the bill, the majority of it was because we had people from different countries coming in and buying the land for marijuana growth, right? And that did become a big problem. I mean, honestly, it, it, it pushed people out and they weren't able to, you know, make any moves, especially in, in rural Osage County. So I think what they wanted to accomplish, they're missing the mark there because they're also harming an entire population of people because Hispanic, you know, homeowners and landowners, that's a huge part of the real estate market huge and it's growing exponentially. So do I think that maybe some people saw that and thought, oh, we need to pump the brakes on that? Probably. Um, but I think that the point of it was, you know, the the marijuana growers and, and they're funneling money through, you know, LLCs and all of that. You know, I know this because I listed, you know, those 91 properties and every offer that I got, it was a guy coming in all sharp dressed with an LLC saying, oh, I have, you know, China money backing me up and was wanting to buy all these rentals in small town America. Um, and my sellers were like, no, we don't want to sell to anyone like that. So I understand one side of it but the harmful part of it you know I'm I'm anti-harm and so you know I obviously I think about my great-grandparents <laughs> when they immigrated here and just the beautiful family that they were able to build here the Casillas family you know and they've produced tons of successful kids grandkids great-grandkids and we were able to do so much but we would not have been able to do that if they wouldn't have been able to move here and actually plant themselves here and buy homes and build a life here so personally it kind of comes back to me and I'm a, I'm hurt by it and I'm kind of taken aback but also that's that's where we need to lobby you yeah. know, we need to have our voices out there, too, because the voice on the other side is very loud. And if none of us are speaking up about it and telling our own stories, no one knows. Yeah. And so the bill exactly uh, or like the, the article of whenever the bill had I read was it signed, yesterday. I mean, you I know you kind of were you were explaining the way, but pretty much I mean, it says on there that it was they're pretty much trying to prevent people from China to come here and. And, but, but, but what kind of bill do you, <laughs> do you pass that just says like, Hey, if you're Chinese, you can't buy right. property. And, you know, and they can't, you know what I mean? I mean, it's hard for them to intentionally target anybody, you know? And so they're, they're targeting one group, but they're encompassing so many others that are doing such good things for our country and our economy. You know, so yeah. I get a, I get a little hurt over it, and I could get real excited about it. <laughs> I think they said it's about three hundred and eighty thousand acres that are owned by non U.S. citizens here right. in Oklahoma. Right, and we'll see. I believe it's something they haven't told. I mean, the the law essentially goes into place November first, so anything could happen between now and then. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you've got, you know, a citizen immigrating here and trying to integrate themselves with our culture and build a new life and a new family, there should be an exception to that. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, what people need to do is find out who your lawmaker is. Who's your senator? Who are they? Do you know who they are? Do you know how to call them and email them? Because I'll tell you, because I do this all the time, and I have since I was 18 years old. As soon as I became voting age, I started calling and writing my senators. I still have a letter back from one of my senators who wrote me back 
whenever I wrote them a letter, That's when I awesome. found out that I was going to be a single mom and I found out they were trying to cut programs, you know, med- Medicare and different things that would have helped me as a single parent. And, you know, and I, I picked my lawmaker who was raised by a single mom and I did my research and I wrote him a letter and he wrote me back and acknowledged me. Um, and so when you do write your lawmaker or you make a phone call, they log all of that in their office. So for me, there's power in numbers. So if enough people will write and call and share their own story, their own experiences and experiences of others, then, you know, you're, you're going to do more good than harm. Right. And so that right there is the key is knowing who your lawmakers are and having a voice within that system. Yeah, I think that so many people are so quick to be upset about something that they hear, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah, they just post on Facebook about it and make everybody mad. But yeah, I mean, you you need to be writing and calling your lawmakers. And I mean, my goodness, go to the Capitol. There are they use our tax money. You know what I mean? Like we are their employers. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? We are their bosses. And so, you know, everyone should have a voice 100%. And if what they're doing goes against what, you know, you believe in, or it's harming a certain community, then 100% people need to go there. They need to lobby themselves. They need to write and and call. I don't know how familiar you are with this, but there's, an, I guess, a new law that's coming into place that uh, essentially it's wanting to have the buyer start paying the commission for the the, the buyer's up, agent. Yeah, I'm up to date on that. For everybody that is listening that doesn't really know how buying a home works and who pays who and stuff, right? if you're buying a house, you don't pay a realtor right now. The right. seller is the one that pays a fee and then both agents come in the deal together and they split that fee. The new thing that's trying to be passed is saying, hey, we shouldn't just tax that all in the seller. Let's have the buyer come up with not only their down payment, the closing costs, but now their fee to be able to get to be represented. Right. Now, we know that cash is tight already and it always kind of is mm-hmm. whenever you're trying to buy a house. So I would imagine... Going back to when I bought my first house, if you told me, hey, it's going to cost you an extra three, four thousand dollars to have an agent. Right. Or you could just kind of do it yourself. I would have probably been like, well, I'd rather probably save that money because because that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. But but now that I mean, I wasn't a lender when I bought my first house, but now knowing what I know you're putting yourself to a lot of liability and a a lot lot of of different a lot of risk. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned about that new mm-hmm. new law and what your thoughts are behind it and how realistically is it that that's going to get passed, you think? So it's been in the mix for a couple of years, and here's why. Here's why. People put profit over people. Realtors did. And I think it began in California. Um, you know, someone had listed a house and offered, you know, the buyer's agent a less percentage than what is normal, maybe one to two percent. And a listing agent found out that they just were the buyer's agent said, Well, I'm not gonna show your house to my buyers, even though it's the perfect home for them. I'm not gonna show your house because I'm not making the full percent. So it started with that, and that is a problem. You know, have I represented a buyer for one percent? Yes. Five hundred dollars, yes. 
2%? Yes. So I have worked for less than the 3% because it's not about me. And so the problem started when the profit over people attitude began in the real estate community. So I do want to speak out about that. There was a problem and, and it really was. And so instead of addressing that problem, broker to broker, you know, and brokers going in and saying, look, this isn't about you and your commission. It's about representing your buyer at the best of your ability. And so that's when the problem started. And that's when, you know, they sued NAR and it brought us to where we are now. But here's also what I tell people. Buying a home without a realtor is like going to court without an attorney. There's so many risks and there's so many legal liabilities there. You don't want to take that on yourself. And the thought of a first-time home buyer, my people, under 250000 trying to go out there and you know represent themselves or not have their own buyer's agent terrifies me. It really does. Um, but it, it did start with greed, and I hate that. Um, it is a capitalist industry that I work in. I realize that not everyone puts, you know, people over profit like I do. Um, but it, it's definitely going to harm the consumer and do the consumer more harm than good in this instance, 100%. So there still should be a baseline. I feel like they should have a minimum, even if it's just 1%. There should be a minimum there for a buyer's agent. Not only that, but the buyer's agent does the legwork. They're out there. They could show a buyer 50 homes. Um, it, the commission isn't just the work on that one home. It's the 50 showings that took place before that, you know, and then it's negotiating repairs and making sure the appraisal comes in on time, keeping the lender on track, you know, keeping your paperwork deadlines in order. And so there's so much work there for the buyer's agent that it's sad that that's the person who's going to take a hit in this because they do the most work. Yeah. And I feel that for some people listening, it's harder for them to receive that from people like you and I because the first thought comes to mind that, well, of course they're going to say that because they benefit from that, right? Sure, you can fix your plumbing issues, but <laughs> you're at your own risk if, right. unless you have a plumber. But there's always different situations that you just never know. When we started the podcast, I talked to you about that literally last month, two weeks ago, there was a deal that fell through the day of closing due to um, the final walkthrough that they did. Yeah. First of all, if you don't have a buyer's agent, I really am curious how many yeah. buyers are doing their own final walkthrough. Yeah, that's it's that's that's one. Terrifying. That's one. For two, <laughs> the seller and their agent, because most likely, if this bill come, this law comes to effect the the sellers are still going to have people representing them because they have the equity so they're like sure I'll pay you you know I'll pay you whatever I need to pay you so I can sell this house as well right first thing that 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 selling agent told the buyer's agent says if they back out we're going to sue we're yeah. going to sue because yeah. you guys we've already signed through everything and i mean and and technically they were they were not in the wrong yeah until yeah. you're in a legally binding contract and the other thing that happened as well in that deal is that they took the washer and dryer. Oh. And get this. This is two, like, <laughs> two good agents that are working together for the buyer and the seller. And the and the seller's like, yeah, they took, they, they, the seller's agent said they, they took it. That, that was their washer and dryer. And the buyer's agent goes, did you not look at the contract? Part of the inclusions part, part, yeah part of the of the deal that we made like mm -hmm. when i make an offer it's not just about oh you want 300 for it i'll give yeah. you 
295. That's the deal. It's like, no, I'll give you 295. Um, I mean, when I bought my house, I said, I'll give you this and I want you guys to put a fence, you know, it, there's some, some other things that go into the negotiations. And in this, that seller's agent, not the seller, the seller's agent missed that. Mm -hmm. So technically the sellers weren't in the wrong. They took what thought it was theirs. So imagine going through all that process without a, and somebody representing you. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, when I think of the things that I've negotiated on behalf of buyers, I mean, not only that, but there's been times where um, things came up on the inspection report and the seller, you know, wasn't willing to do all of it, but there were still sticking points for the buyer. And I'm like, okay, I'll pay for it. I'll take it out of my commission and I'll pay for it to help the deal go through. Yeah. So you have a huge advocate in your corner that can make all kinds of things work for you that if you didn't have that, you would be dead in the water doing a release, moving on to the next house, spending more money for inspection, earnest money, all of the things. So in the long run, we're harming the consumer when we're supposed to be here to advocate and protect the consumer. But it all that comes down to your brokers. You know, the brokers need to be talking to their agents and educating them well. And I'm grateful. I have Julie Smith as a broker and she's always in the know. And she lets us know, you know, commission is always negotiable. You know, this is about our clients. This is about the service that we're giving them. You have to show them your value. You do. And so I've always come from a place of that from, you know, number one, showing people my value. And then number two, you know, people over profit. Number yeah. one. And I make more money because of it. That's the thing. People get scared and it's the fear that drives people into doing these shady things that then, you know, in it, then it results in NAR getting sued and all that. It's the fear that, you know, causes the problems. Yeah. And uh, Julie must be a really good broker. This is, you brought her up last <laughs> time, you brought her up this time. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my biggest things too. When I look at somewhere where I, I, I go a new company, I look at, you know, uh, what's, what's the operations going to look like, like underwriting and processing and all that stuff. And then what is the environment like? And then who am I going to report to leadership and and leadership is super, super important, but man, I'm really glad that you came back on. I'm glad that we, we dove into some subjects that I think they're really going to help not only, uh, buyers and sellers, but, even other agents as well too. Um, yeah. I, normally I like to kind of talk a little bit about, uh, your story, but like I said, anybody listening, if you're <laughs> interested in, in, in hearing Ashley's stories, we dove into that a little bit more back in episode number 32, but I will say, I do want to ask you the same question I asked you last time. Last time you told us that the best advice that you received was to just keep going. Right. What's something else that, that has motivated you to keep going, like anything that, that you want to share that, that has really, um, you think over the last 13 years has kind of kept you going like that. I mean, that was your, that was your <laughs> advice, but I'm just curious yeah. if you have anything else for us. Um, I, I family, you know, focusing on your family, you know, keeping that focus there at the core, because at the end of the day, you know, we can reach all these successes and, you know, make all this money, but, it, but we're not really any good without our family. I envision, you know, who, who is going to be there with me when I take my last breath? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've always focused on my family always. Maybe it's because I've been a mom since I was 20 years old. I don't know, but I never lost sight of that. And even though my kids are grown now, I mean, they're still my motivating factor because I know that I'm influencing them. I know that one day I'll be a grandma. And I think that, you know, focusing on that family, and if you don't, if you're not close with your family, 
create that community and just having that community and that family and pouring back into that and making that your focus, not the successes and the accolades and the money, but your community and your family, you know, that keeps you going 100%. Um, so you know, and speaking of community, I am in the art show at, um, you know, Positive Spaces of Tulsa. I saw that. You sent that to me. Yeah. And so, and it goes through November 5th and that was a big night, you know, Thursday night with my community. That's yeah. what it was. And it was beautiful. And as I was there, I just looked around at those, you know, group of women that helped me, you know, get out of an abusive relationship in 2017 and they're still here. And I would say they send me half the business that I have because we've just grown together and I have never lost sight of that community and the people that have helped me get here. That's amazing. Uh, And I know (laughs) on the first episode, we talked about how we helped your son buy his first house at 20. Since the time, the last time you were here, we helped your daughter. Yes. And she, she was how old whenever she was 20. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So So that's a big accomplishment for me. I know because you keep talking about family and just made me think of that. And it's a good way to wrap it that way because uh, wrap it up that way because it's everything that we're trying to get. Like I remember um, helping my sister buy her house and like it's it's it means so much to but we're so lucky that we get to do this every single day with and change people's lives every single day. We so do. everything we practice that we preach. Exactly. Will. Exactly. So <laughs> where can people find you? So um, awesome. Look me up on Facebook, you know, Ashley Daly, Ashley Crawford Daly. I probably have more, you know, movement and things that I say there on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and You're pretty I, active on, on all I your am, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Ashley Daly Realtor on Instagram. And then I have my link tree out there. Thank you for that. Um, so if you go to any of those pages, you know, you can find my link tree and click on that and just see all my information. So Perfect. I'm out there as Daily Properties, Ashley Daly. And then, you know, I guess I'm an artist now. I'm there being we in go. the art show. So, hey, that. it's a new thing. Well, hey, thank you for coming back. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to have you on again thank later you. down the road. And You're the best. Uh, thank you for all you do. Of course. Uh, hopefully people like this one just as much as la- the last one. Hopefully. Sounds thank good. You. Thank you.